What's up, my Housewives Relatable listeners? It's your girl, Stella, coming to you once again to talk about it all. Hi, guys. I hope everyone is doing well. We're going to dive right into it. There's a lot to cover today, so let's jump right into it. Okay, so first, let's start with a few housekeeping items, or should I say housewives keeping item? (laughs) So, you know, the Real Housewives of New Jersey, they have started filming as of last week. So uh, if you've been around on social media, there's some pictures that are circulating. We have seen some of their looks. We've seen Teresa, Jennifer, Jen Fessler and her mom and aunt. Uh, I believe we saw a picture of, um, I'm not sure if I've seen Margaret yet. I haven't seen Margaret, but I've seen Melissa. Ooh, boy, does she look look great. And um, Melissa had a birthday party for her daughter, Antonia. And I have to say that I can't believe that Antonia is 18 years old already. I can't remember how old Antonia was when she joined the show, but she was fairly young. I would say maybe five or six. And I remember that Gino was little as well. And Joey was just a baby that used to be on the floor quite often. So all the kids are really super cute. But 18 years old already was kind of a shock. I was just like, wow, she's really growing into this beautiful woman, uh, like young woman, I should say, right? Because she's still young, 18 years old. And it seems like Melissa and her family have thrown a really nice party celebration for Antonia, who just turned 18. So I'm not quite sure what the law is in uh, New Jersey or in New York. I would have to Google that. But um, here where I am um, at 18 years old, well, you know, depending on which province, right? But at 18 years old in Quebec, for example, you are considered an adult and the rest of Canada is basically, you're considered an adult at the age of 19. So I would have to check if Antonia is, I think it's 21. Isn't 21 in the States? Yeah, I think it would be 21. But anyways, I digress. So Antonia had a birthday party celebration and we're just into like a couple days into filming and there's already a little bit of drama because (laughs) I've seen online, well, I'm pretty sure everyone has seen this at this point, but Lisa Simpson, who happens to be Antonia's uh, aunt, basically she is Melissa's sister. I don't think she's the older sister. I think the older one is Kim, because I I think a lot of people seem to think that Lisa is the oldest, but I really believe that Kim might be the oldest. But anyways, Lisa, who is Antonia, uh, Antonia's auntie and also happens to be her godmother, she wrote a post online on Instagram and uh, actually I'm going to read it to you guys. She posted uh, on the day of the actual party. She said, my God, child, how are you 18? I love you so much. I am so proud of you and how you have weathered the storm of growing up on national TV. You have shown us nothing but grace. And she has put this in all caps, right? You have never said a negative thing about any of these crazy situations that you have been thrown into. Pardon me. I'm always here for you and I love you beyond. And then she tags Antonia in her post. So if you go back to the actual post on her IG, the the post is still there, but Lisa has turned off uh, the comments. So she has turned off the commenting option under her post. Um, I must have caught it like, you know, maybe a few minutes after she did this, because I've seen other people comment online saying that 
they were able to comment under her post and then she had to close the close up the comment thing because some people were getting very nasty under there right and i'm just going to give my opinion when it comes to the whole thing i see nothing wrong with what lisa simpson said about her godchild i have said this extensively in all of my other episodes i think that antonia gorga is a beautiful young lady and it's true i am myself surprised at time that those kids all three of them not just antonia i'm talking about antonia i'm talking about gino i'm talking about uh joey they have never gotten involved with any of the drama they have never said one bad word about any of their cousins or or, or her auntie or even joe judice they've be, they've been nothing but gracious uh towards their family and you know they could have said a lot of things back in the day right um there was a lot that was done towards melissa uh at the beginning and i'm not saying that you know they didn't play tit for tat you know everybody played a part at some point in time but what i'm gonna say is uh when it comes to let's say we just take the whole dancer debacle okay so that was one thing and the whole cheating rumors that was another thing and then all the thing about you know not being there for the parents and after that you know fast forward to last season with uh, louis and not inviting their nona and all of that you know the kids could have gotten involved too they've been on the show since season three and they could have very well had an opinion and decided to do confessionals and state their opinion on camera which they have never done and to me i have to give a lot of credit to melissa and joe i know a lot of people like to always see faults in what they're doing but we have to give them credit uh, when credit is due and uh, the fact that they were able to raise three amazing children while being on a reality tv show and um, a lot of things have been thrown at them that were not always like good things or positive things you know like most things that um they have endured on the show uh especially when it comes to their family and their relationship as a couple it could have destroyed them it could have destroyed their family but really they kind of rose above it all and they didn't let it affect their family and they their children never shown the viewers they never shown us or Teresa or the cousins that they had hate in their heart for them right and um I'm not sure that the same can be said no actually no not I'm not sure I am sure <laughs> I am sure that the the same cannot be said when it comes to the other side right um and that's kind of funny because I've seen online you know from that podcast um all about the bullying I, I mean all about the truth <laughs> all about the truth they were saying online um they were saying that melissa's family was shading um gia judice right what's funny to me is that lisa simpson didn't say anything about gia in her post she didn't name gia she didn't name any one of Teresa's kids so i i thought it was kind of interesting for them to go on their podcast and say oh, you know, Melissa's family is shading specifically Gia. It leads me to believe that it's, it's basically a, a, their own admission that they know that Gia has not always done the right thing when it comes to her Aunt Melissa. So thanks all about the, the Real Housewives or all about the truth for admitting that. Um, it was like a subtle admission because they didn't say, Lisa Simpson didn't say Gia. She didn't say her name. She didn't say any of the kids' name. But you did that in your podcast, so you know that 
Gia has not always been respectful when it comes to her aunt and uncle on national TV. Yeah, she has the right to talk about how she feels. I don't have a problem with that. What I have a problem with sometimes, it's the way that it was done, right? But when it comes to Lisa Simpson's post, I see nothing wrong with what was written. I think that Antonia is a fantastic kid. We barely even see her. She seems to be like shy and wants to run away from the cameras and the kids are not involved. And I, honestly, I think, it's, I think it's a testament to the parents for um, sheltering their kids from the drama of it all. So I thought I would just say that when it comes to the Melissa Gorga, Antonia and Lisa Simpson birthday party. Okay, small correction. I just went back just to make sure that what I just said was accurate. They don't actually say Gia's name. They say Melissa's family is shading uh, the Judice's girls. But my point still applies, still valid. We know who they're talking about in referencing. It's mostly Gia. Um, I know last season, Gabriella has been a little bit more vocal. She said something and then broke out in hives. But she didn't really say that much over the years. So I'm not really going to put her in the same, um, you know, on the same level as Gia because Gia has been the one who has been the most vocal and talked about her uncle and aunt. And at some point in time, too, um, I think it was Kim D on Behind the Velvet Rope. She was speaking with David last year and she was saying basically that Teresa didn't have really any friends, like good girlfriends like that. And that Gia was basically appearing on the show as Teresa's friend of and getting paid for it, like $50,000. Now, I did not see the contract between Gia and Bravo or Gia and Sirens Media or NBC, but that's what Kim D said last year, that Gia received some sort of compensation for it. And um, yeah, that uh, she was basically acting as Teresa's friend of. That's why we saw her quite a bit that season. Uh, showing up to Teresa's events and kind of like defending her against like even Margaret or supporting her when it comes to her brother Joe and um, and uh, Melissa. Speaking of payments, okay, there's something that I, I wanted to bring up to you guys um, that kind of came to my attention because um, with the lawsuit that is going on, you know, the Bethany lawsuit and all of that, um, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of speculations that the children are not getting paid, right? And that the husbands are not getting paid. So I don't know what is true, what's not true. Uh, some men have come out and said, you know, in different franchises, I'm not necessarily talking about New Jersey. Some men have come out and said that they receive compensation at the reunion just for showing up to the reunion. They receive some sort of compensation for that. Other men have said, aka, you know, Frank and Tanya, they don't, they don't receive anything at all, right? I kind of find it hard to believe that you would be willing to put like a lot of your life out there like that and not receive any sort of compensation but it is very possible that they do not however i have heard in different franchises franchises that certain husbands do receive compensation for showing up at the reunion so i'm not sure what is true and what is not but to which albie and um chris responded to Oh, not us. Like, not us. Not all the kids. Not us. We do get paid. We get a check, right? So, and, and I'm not talking about the time where Albie and Chris were on Menzo with children. They were specifically talking about 
being part of the Real Housewives of New Jersey. And I think they said something, I'm just paraphrasing and just trying to go off by my memory here, but I'm sure you can find the interview and just backtrack to sometime last year or early this year, they were talking about that. So they, they were even saying that they made so much money at such a young age um, from being on the show, just as the sons or kids of Caroline Menzo, that at some point in time, like, they didn't really know what to do with this money because they were making so much. So they had to kind of like diversify their portfolio, whatever that means for them. I don't know if it had to do with the restaurant. Like, you know, they had like little town, New Jersey, and then they had another one. I can't remember. And then they had the Blackwater. But anyways, they had money. They were receiving some sort of compensation from the network. And at, uh, you know, because they were so young, they, they were just like, oh my gosh, we, we make so much more money than all of our friends, right? And therefore, they didn't really see a point of trying to get a job either because of, you know, the filming schedule and all of that, right? So I thought that that was quite interesting considering that in the lawsuit, there's a lot of people that are saying that uh, the, the, the Bravo talent kids are not receiving a paycheck from appearing on the show. Now, another thing that... Um, you know that guy, Matt? I think it's Matt Rogers, <laughs> because we're speaking of kids and payments and all of that. He was recently on Melissa Gorga's podcast, On Display. Great podcast, by the way. I am forever surprised of how great of an interviewer Melissa actually is. I said this before, you know, I started listening to the podcast when she started last year and I was just like, oh, let's see, you know, like, let's see how it is and how it turns out. But I, I was very like pleasantly surprised. Like I actually listen, like enjoy listening to her. I find that she has great guests. Um, she has like a lot of like great questions. She makes it fun. Um, yeah, Melissa, Melissa has definitely a lot of talents, right? Different little talents, not just being a housewife. So anyways, I just, I just thought that I would throw that in there in case you have not subscribed or do not listen to her podcast. I, I think it is very worth it, but anyways, so Melissa had, um, Matt on her podcast a few episodes ago and I've seen Matt on Watch What Happens Live with Andy at some point in time. And Matt, by the way, is a huge Melissa fan, okay? And uh, I did not see the clip that everyone was talking about. I'm not sure it actually happened during that interview of Watch What Happens Live, or it may have happened afterwards. But anyways, Matt caught a lot of flack online from Teresa's supporters for going at Gia. Like, apparently, he went really hard, right? But... Uh, I've read online, um, you know, like a few extracts of Andy's book, and apparently Matt, when he laid into Gia, everyone uh, on the set of Watch What Happens Live thought it was hysterical. They all thought, according to what I've read, that it was extremely funny. Andy was basically like dying on the floor, like dying of laughter. Everyone was cracking up. Um, everybody was basically having a good time because apparently whatever Matt said was a really good joke, right? I'm sorry I missed it, but I did see something online online because, you know, the backlash of it all. And um, I guess Matt <laughs> was talking to the Teresa fans and saying, oh, you know, you, you guys basically don't understand. You know, you don't understand what's going on. Andy doesn't have a problem with what I said, what I wrote. Um, it's just you fans. And we know that the fans of the show sometimes tend to be a little crazy uh, for a lack of for lack of better words. Right. So anyways, uh, I believe that's his account on Twitter. And um, he was saying to Melissa, 
that he also i think he has a podcast called las culturistas uh, i know we're not supposed to say it like like that we're supposed to just say las culturistas I, I don't know that's how you're supposed to say it or not but anyways that's his account and he was on twitter and uh, on may 11 he wrote like i guess it's in response to the backlash that he got he said it is wrong that Teresa allows her her being gia to get into it with joe joe gorga on camera because he is never going to get into it with gia which is true it's his niece that's unfair i've said that as well i feel like it's unfair because it's never a fair fight uh people are always going to just be like oh my gosh like you shouldn't like go after gia right so anyways so he continues and says her father was the devil again that's matt saying that not me his words not mine his her father was the devil i seem to remember him calling teresa i see you next tuesday but hey i guess you guys are still stan and then he continues to say and he's actually talking about the rent that he had on the set of watch what happens live he says what i said in my savage rent about gia which andy thought was funny but was worried about teresa if you are in full makeup for a confessional and paid and are 21 years old you are fair game to be dragged she is so beautiful that is scary compliment <laughs> so that's what he wrote i found that online i thought it was interesting uh, given everything that is going on online right now with uh, that podcast trying to say that, you know, the, the Gorga clan is trying to shade the Judas's clan um, by basically saying that Antonia does not partake, you know, does not play in the mud in the same way that they do. Right. And I see nothing wrong with that because, you know, she hasn't. She's been silent for all of these years. So just thought I would let you know that that I would share that with you all. Okay, so a couple more things before we get into our main event, because, you know, we have to talk about what has been on everyone's lips today. Um, I was not expecting to be talking about this today, but I have to because it is fresh. And that's the interview that is on everyone's lips today, Wednesday. But before we get into that, um, I just wanted to I just wanted to share with you guys. I don't know if you guys follow. I'm sure some of you do the real andy of beverly hills um you know the real andy has had some problems with um his like his he doesn't have a podcast but i know he recently did a patreon or something like that but he is an active youtuber and basically posting tons of videos per day and recently he did a collab with dana dana wilkie and about a week ago like seven days ago maybe or eight days ago he did a collaboration with david yontef from behind the velvet rope and uh, i didn't listen to the whole interview as of yet but i have listened to maybe like half of it and i thought that there was one question in particular that i really like that andy asked david so i'm just gonna play it for you guys just so you can hear what he had to say in david's response yeah um, it's, it's it's crazy yeah you're so right about that uh have you like burn a bridge that you kind of like regret having like burn it i mean i feel like i really really truly don't regret anything in life i mean look you don't want to burn any bridge but i feel whatever decision i made in that moment it was an authentic decision like it's not like i look back and i'm like why did I do this? It was just for a click. It, it's never like that with me. It's more just like, 
I can't hold back. Like this is what I know, or this is the this is what makes the most sense business wise. So I will say to myself, like if this person gets, and not everyone gets upset. There's so many people that are good at it, and then other people just take everything personally. So I don't really regret it because I'm like, if I really like, I stand by my decision. So if I decided it in the moment, like. The saying that you can't control people, you can't control people's actions, you can only control your reaction, I think is so true. So to me, it's like, the fact that you're upset, I, I don't know what I'm supposed to do about that. It was nothing, it's never personal. It's really never personal, really. Like, people always say I'm a flip-flop, I'm, I'm a flip-flopper. It's like, yeah, that's a good person that you want to listen to because my opinion about someone on Monday is not the same as my opinion on Wednesday. I don't have a favorite. It's all just like, this is what you did on Monday and I think this is whatever. And on Wednesday, I agree with everything you're doing. So th that to me is like, there's no dog in this race. It's really not personal. So exactly. you should just shrug it off. Like it yeah. shouldn't matter. And it's really a compliment because the bigger my show got, the more people were getting mad at me. That just means like you're all listening. Like when no one was listening, it was all positive. You know, you didn't care. So it's almost like insulting in a way. It's like I went through this weird middle phase of like, did you come on my show thinking you could say anything that no one was listening? And now that a lot of people are, now you're upset. That's almost like an insult to me if you think yeah. about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I thought that that was a very good and interesting question. And I don't know if Andy himself had, um, not like an agenda, I don't want to use the word agenda, but I'm wondering if he himself had a person in mind when he asked David Yontef that question. And, um, you know, if you have been like a fan of David's podcast, um, you know, he has great guests, obviously, and uh, he does very good interviews. Whether you aren't, whether you are on the side of you know whatever he is defending or not, I'm just saying like if you're looking at the podcast, he does like he has great guests and does like good interviews. So, anyways, I'm wondering, did the real Andy of Beverly Hills did he have someone in mind when he asked David that question? Because we know that over the past year. David fell out with Margaret and the only reason why I know this and I'm speaking about this really is because you know it was such a public um like a, a public fight basically between him and Margaret and what's funny about that is the fact that David and Margaret used to be very close and David like a lot of times on his own podcast have said you know he has given Margaret his flowers and said she's my friend we have a real relationship, like a friendship. It's not just business. We also have a friendship. And I believe that David used to have, uh, I'm not going to go as far as saying a friendship with Joe and Melissa Gorga, but at some point in time, I, it seems to me like they were getting along because there was pictures, there were like pictures on, on social media of David and Joe and Melissa and Kim D like hugging and having fun and having like a good time and that kind of stuff. So I'm not quite sure what happened there, but for sure something happened because David has not been very positive when it comes to uh, Melissa Gorga or Joe, Joe Gorga, right? Uh, over the past few months, uh, to say the least. But anyways, when it comes to the whole thing with Margaret, we know what happened. Everything had to do with David having Laura on his podcast, Laura, Margaret's ex-friend of 40 years. And, uh, you know, just to make a long story short, at the time when Laura came on David's podcast, I didn't really necessarily have 
you know, I was kind of warm to the idea. I didn't necessarily think that David did anything wrong by wanting to, to have her on the show because I understand that she does not have, like Laura did not have a platform like Margaret to defend herself or to give her side of the story. But at the same time, her name was constantly brought up on the show and her even her picture was shown on the show like multiple times. So I kind of got it that Laura wanted to tell her story and just say, okay, I'm not just like this crazy friend that is mad at you. And on mad day, I'm just going to spill the bean, beans about all of your secrets, right? So I kind of got that Laura wanted to have a place where she could tell her story. I got that. I think the problem between David and Margaret um, came from the fact that David and Margaret had a friendship. And uh, because of everything that Laura was saying about Margaret, Margaret was just like saying, listen, I understand that this is your job. I understand that this is your podcast, but me and you have a relationship. So it's either me or her. You can't have us both. And I could really see Margaret saying something like this because even on the show, she has said this. She said this to Teresa. It's either Danielle or me, not both of us, right? You have to love me more. You can love her, but you have to love me more. So we know that Margaret has a tendency of speaking in that fashion, right? So I don't think that um, David is lying when he's saying that, but I don't think that he is. However, in retrospect, because I'm not even sure if I had the exact same opinion that I'm having right now, but in retrospect, like today, I think that, and I'm no big fans of, like I'm not a big fan of Margaret either. I say it all the time, like she's not my favorite housewife, although I think that she is needed for the show. I have always said that. But she is not my favorite housewife. However, I, I think I see a little bit of Margaret's point too. And, you know, don't come for me, David. That's just my opinion. I'm not throwing any shade at you. <laughs> you know, I'm just saying that if you have a relationship or a friendship with someone and that person is on a hit reality TV show and has a platform, I think it kind of makes sense that they wouldn't want you to interview their ex friend who's just like, you know, going on a freaking rampage to just destroy your life and tell your secrets and everything that you ever shared with them in confidence, right? So I think it is um, unfortunate that things have come to this place between Margaret and David. But then again, I'm not sure that when Andy, the real Andy of Beverly is, is asking David that, I'm not even sure that he's referring to Mar like referencing Margaret or referring to Margaret. He may be talking about someone else, but I thought that that was a very interesting question because um, there has been, um, you know, not allegations at this point, like statements from people saying that they did have a relationship with David and then it didn't work out. And now they're sort of like in a bad place, you know, again, Melissa, Margaret, Dana. So it's out there. And um I think it's unfortunate because I like the content. I like all of their content. I like David's content sometimes. Sometimes I don't like some of the words that he used. Um, I don't have a problem with what he says or his opinions. You know, he has the right to his content. I just don't like the insult. And I have the right to say that, right? He, that's his podcast. You know, he pays for it. That's his platform. Like, whatever. He can do whatever he wants. I'm just not a fan of people calling other people names. That's all, right? But other than that, I think that the content of his podcast is good and it's a good discussion because, you know, it's kind of like, you know, he plays devil advocate sometimes. And I, I think I kind of understand what he means when he says I'm a flip flopper. I'm not sure that that's the, that, I'm not sure that that's the word that I would use, but I think I understand what he means by that in the sense that, of course, a housewife is going to get upset when something is said about them that 
they perceive as not being true or not being the truth. I understand that. But at the end of the day, I understand him playing devil's advocate on his show. Because at the end of the day, if he agrees with every single one of his guests, there's, you know, there's no room for conversation. So I kind of like the fact that he does welcome different opinions. I think that that's important when you're in that space, whether you're a fan of his or not. Um, I'm not trying to big up his podcast. I don't think he needs my commentary when it comes to that. I'm just saying that I understand what he is doing in that space. Not that I agree all the time, but I definitely understand it. So another thing happened recently, and uh, I was really happy to see another content creator, um, you know, just come behind the mic and state their opinion as to an article or some text messages that were released from Brittany, Brittany Malsh, I believe her name is, John Fuda's ex um, of a long time ago. So basically her, um, his son, Jaden's mom, who is currently serving time in a halfway house. So anyways, I'm not going to get into everything that she has done in her life. I've said it before, guys. I don't get into people's stuff like that. And I don't feel like we need to judge them for what they have done. But that being said, um, I was happy to see Adam, up and Adam, um, use his voice to speak freely about, like basically standing up for the truth, right? Basically standing up for what's right. Um, when I read those text messages again, um, I don't know, some people might think that doing that, like those salacious, like rumors and that kind of stuff is what people want. And I guess to a certain extent, that's what people want because that's what gets you the followers and the following and people kind of tune into you because they feel like you have the tea, the disgusting tea, tea, like, you know, the dirty little secret that nobody talks about, right? That's what people tune to, um, these blogs or podcasts to learn these intricate, intimate details about their, the, the housewives or Bravo celebrities. But I just thought that they kind of did cross the line that podcast again, right? All about the bullying, right? This time I'm not making a mistake. <laughs> like, seriously, it does feel a little bit like bullying at this point. Like, I don't think that John Fuda did anything that really truly deserves that. Uh, he just basically was at the re reunion standing up for his wife behind his wife and saying that, listen, you, you dug into my past and my ex's past and I don't like that. And he had that, the manila envelope and said, I have the folder I have connections to. And by the way, guys, I have heard John Fuda say to, um, is it the Bravos bro? I can't remember the name of their podcast, but like the two guys that do a podcast together when he came out and talked after the reunion, he basically said he showed production what was in the envelope and he doesn't know if production is reserving that time um, or the evidence for a later time so whatever he had in that envelope he shared that with production so production had a look at it so for those who like to say that it could have just been a stack of blank paper i can assure you if you go back and listen to john's food as interview uh with the bravo bros i think that's the name of their podcast but you know who I'm talking about. So he said that he showed production what was in the envelope and there's a possibility that it might come out this season or at a later time. So who knows, right? But I don't think that John did anything wrong uh, last year when he said to Louis, 
I don't believe you. And if you want to be close to me or if you want to be in my life, you have to admit to what you did wrong. I don't think that he did anything wrong by doing this. Right. And for them to just like give and by them, I'm talking about that podcast for them to give the platform to Brittany to Brittany has the right to tell her story. She has the right to say, listen, this is my life. This is what I've done if she wants to do it or explain the circumstances around why she lost the custody of her son. But at the same time, I don't think she had to go into those details when it comes to I don't think he had to go like they had to go into all of those details with Brittany when it comes to, you know, their intimate life together when they were a couple and all of that stuff. And to me, what that tells me is that Brittany is still some sort of like broken individual who at some point in time broke the law and it resulted in the breaking of her family. And then she was put on a break. And basically she's coming out guns blazing at John and what he did, I don't know how many years ago. But at the end of the day, I feel like John, whoever he used to be or not be or accused to be when he was young, this is clearly not who he is at the present moment. And he is also the person that is taking care of their child with another woman who has decided that the fact that she did not birth that child would not be a factor in the love and affection that she will show him, right? So I don't know what Brittany is doing and I don't know if she is realizing that she is hurting her son more by doing what she is doing than helping the situation. And I find it kind of funny for that podcast to give her the platform to do that, After, especially on the tales of them, you know, putting a post about Lisa Simpson saying that Antonia has never been involved or let reality TV affect her. You know, the next post was like, oh, Lisa Simpson is shading Teresa's girls, right? Well, why are you giving a platform to this woman who is not on the show to say negative personal things about John when clearly the person who's going to suffer the most from these allegations is Jaden. Like, I just don't understand how they don't see the parallel. But anyways, I just thought I would come on on that, to, like to say that because I was really happy to hear Adam use his platform and say out loud, this is gross guys. And this is not what we do. I thought that, you know, as content creators, Yes, we get involved in a little bit of gossip here and there, but we're not trying to purposely, um, you know, chase derogatory information to um, ruin someone's life. And it seems like there's a lot of that being done. So I just thought I would say be responsible for your content and also be responsible for the content that you choose to listen, right? And if that's the reason why some people want to tune in on that podcast, that's fine. I'm not trying to make you change your mind. I'm just saying, like, I think that we can all do better when it comes to that, right? So. So Kenya Moore stepped behind the mic um, with Carlos King and delivered a fantastic and poignant interview 
uh, Kenya opened up to Carlos about her relationship with her mom, things that I knew about, things that, things that I've heard her over the over the years, and some things that I did not know. So uh, it's a very good interview, fully available on YouTube. I'm not sure if there's going to be a second part to this interview, but at this point, I understand why people are doing, you know, two parts or three parts, but... It's almost like I would prefer that they would just sit down and just deliver the full interview to the audience and just be like, you know what, we've been talking for three hours and this is what we're going to show to the listeners or to the viewers. Um, that's just my opinion. I just don't necessarily think that there is um, a necessity to having two parts or three parts. Sometimes I think you can sit down and have a conversation and just show the clip or the interview in its entirety without having to. Uh, come back next week, you know, for more views, more views. Like, again, I understand why people do it, but I would almost rather just watch it, watch the whole thing, you know, and let people just like pause it, go back to it and just like listen to it more. But anyways, it was a fantastic interview regardless. And Carlos also asked um, Kenya if she would like to see Nini come back to the show, to which Kenya responded that she does miss Nini and that Nini was a formidable um, opponent when she was on the show. It it wasn't surprising to me that Kenya said that. Um, I heard Kenya say the exact same thing last year at BravoCon um, when she was um, on the panel with the rest of the cast of The Real Housewives of Atlanta. So I was happy that she kind of doubled down on it and talked to Carlos about it and gave Nini her flowers. Uh, I always felt like although the two ladies were frenemies on the show, that they had more in common um, than they didn't have in common. They have a lot in common. Like both of them have um, challenging relationship with their moms and uh, Kenya has a good relationship with her dad. Nini kind of had um, no relationship with her biological father. So it never really made sense to me that these two women were never able to be on a path and connect. But you know, it's probably just uh, the way those shows are designed. It's pro designed. It's probably very difficult to make meaningful, meaningful relationships on the show while you're on the show that are sustainable as well, right? But it's undeniable that Kenya has a lot of respect for Nini and vice versa. And I don't know. I don't know why, guys. Every time that I think of the rise and fall of Nini Leaks. I always feel like, you know, in that movie, Kill Bill, you know, there's that scene where El Driver goes to El Paso to buy the sword from Bud, Bill's brother. And uh, she goes there, gives him a suitcase full of money. And you in the suitcase, there's the black mamba, the serpent, right? The snake. And then the snake attacks Bud and in his last few minutes while he's laying on the floor agonizing she basically reads him what's about to happen to him in the last 20 minutes of his life right so <laughs> to me it sounds like almost like it's like a big metaphor but you can maybe associate Bravo or Andy or the show or just the reality world all, all together and just give it the face of the black man mamba you could just say that the reality tv world is the serpent and um nini was beatrice kiddo right and maybe kenya is l driver and um well maybe that scene is just too good 
for you guys not to listen to. But uh, I think that if you are a fan of this movie, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So here it is. Let me answer that question you asked earlier more thoroughly. Right at this moment, the biggest R I feel is regret. Regret that maybe the greatest warrior I have ever met met her end at the hands of a bushwhacking, scrub, elky piece of shit like you. So I woke up today to a Google alert on Bethany and little did I know, I was actually quite surprised to see that Rochelle, formerly known as Raquel Levis, or Levis I should say, um, decided to sit down and finally give her take on what had transpired um, between herself and Tom Sandoval, right? So just to give her her take on the whole situation because up until that point, uh, Rochelle had been completely silent. She didn't give any interviews when it when it came to the whole um, situationship between herself and Tom and Ariana. Um, she did explain herself at the reunion, if we can call that an explanation because she was attacked from all angles, right? So. I don't feel like I'm gonna talk about this extensively because I feel like I have. I feel like I have talked about Rochelle quite a bit um, back in March and at some point again, I talked about her again and the whole situation a few months later. I didn't cover the story um, extensively like a lot of other people have. Uh, I just basically gave my opinion and my opinion, my stance on the whole thing was always the same and has never changed. Um, Raquel, Rochelle, I'm sorry, it's going to take me some time to go back to Rochelle because she wanted to be called Raquel and I was respecting that even though we knew her real name, her legal name was Rochelle. But now that she wants to be called Rochelle, I'm going to call her Rochelle, but I might get mixed up. So, <laughs> so um, I've always said that um, she, she, she was human, that she did a very bad thing, but I never felt like she deserved everything that she got. Uh, in the media, on social media, the attacks. Um, I was not a fan of what I saw on the show at the reunion. I've said this many times. I am not for the crucifixion of anyone. I did not believe that whatever she did deserved that. And I was quite upset after watching the reunion um, how somebody like Andy or even Lisa Vanderpump did not like get up and just say at that point, that's enough. We're not doing this. Um, I know that she did a very bad thing, that it's very frowned upon, but I felt like she still deserved to have somebody in her corner. Like, and in her corner, what I mean by that is just like somebody that would extend her compassion, right? And I felt like even Tom didn't show up for her, really. Like, he kind of tried, but considering that you know, considering the age difference and that Tom is 40 years old and, you know, this is not his first time at the rodeo. He has cheated before. Um, he was on a show with Kristen and he cheated on her with Ariana. So he's been through all of this before. So I felt like he could have been um, a bit more of a, like a pillar or like an anchor for Rochelle at that time. And he was mostly silent and just kind of embarrassed, right? So... I didn't really feel like Rochelle at that point had 
anyone truly supporting her as a human being. So anyways, I'm not going to recap the entire interview. There's no point of doing that. It's available online. If you want to listen to it, go and listen to the interview between Bethany and Rochelle. So the only thing that I feel like I want to comment on, a few things actually. Bethany said during her interview with Rochelle that she did not really um, cover the story. She didn't really watch the show. She really truly knew, had no idea of who these people actually really were, right? Fair enough. Vanderpump rules, it's not for everybody. But, you know, Bethany was quite honest when it came to that. And she said that she was not like, you know, a, a, a viewer of the show, right? But then she started taking interest into what happened to Rochelle because of the fact that she was crucified online by social media and all of that stuff, right? So I'm not going to let my feel, because you guys know, you, you guys know how I truly feel about Bethany these days. Uh, I've been quite vocal about that. I feel like Bethany has some sort of agenda of her own. I don't always feel like she's doing things for the right reasons, but that is my opinion right so um although i have certain feelings when it comes to miss bethany franco um i will not deny that the interview was a good one regardless and that she asked um some very good questions to rochelle right now that being said i do feel like there is there, there there's a lot of um there are a lot of uh, content creators that have covered the story and some of them have done a fantastic job. I'm not just talking about like reporting on the news and giving us like every single intricate details of the affair between Rochelle and Tom and all of that. But um, some content creators out there have done um, a deep dive and tried to actually understand who Rochelle Levi's was. And one of uh, those creators, I would I would have to say is Dana, because you know Dana um, explained extensively um, things about Raquel that people did not know, like the fact that she was adopted and the fact that I, I believe that her mom gave her to uh, her sister who can have children or something like that. Um, don't quote me on there, but it's like some sort of weird situation like that. So um, if you have not listened to that interview. Um, not that interview, but that deep dive that Dana did at some point in time about Rochelle Levice, uh, it's definitely worth it if you enjoy listening to uh, or learning about the psychology around things, right? So I thought that she did a fantastic job when it came to that. And I also feel like, you know, I don't know, I don't know Dana, but I feel like she has like that compassion for people too. So I feel like she would have been um, equally as good, if not better, at do at conducting that 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 interview with Rochelle. So, but nevertheless, she picked Bethany, and um, again, I'm not sure if Bethany's reasons for having Raquel Rochelle, pardon me, on her show are um, genuine. But it was a very good interview, regardless. So, one of the things that um, Rochelle said to Bethany, which I thought was very interesting. Uh, and I'm going to leave you guys on that because, like I said, I, I don't really want to talk about it extensively. I've talked about it enough. But, um, you know, it's kind of a messed up thing, this reality TV world, because on the show, um, Ariana was really playing the card. Um, and, of course, Rochelle was being politically correct and very diplomatic in the whole thing. I don't have to do that because I'm not involved, right? But um, Ariana 
was playing the card that um, Rochelle and her were best friends. It turns out that by Rochelle's own admission, her and Ariana were never friends like that. So basically, they are show friends, right? They are reality TV friends. So on the show, they have to film together. They have to look like they have a very close friendship. But really, she wasn't that close to Ariana in reality, right? In the real world. She was not that close to her. In fact, she was more close to Tom than she was to Ariana. So I thought that that was very interesting because at the reunion, everyone came at her and everyone was saying, oh, you know, I wasn't her best friend or I wasn't your best friend when I cheated on or when I slept with this person or when I slept with James, I wasn't your friend. I wasn't your best friend. So everybody wanted to like paint that picture that Rochelle and Ariana were so close, right? Almost like blood sisters. And by Rochelle's own admission, that, that was never really the case. So um, I think if you watch the show or the reunion, you could kind of tell like on Tom's look and on um, Rochelle's look and even Tom Schwartz look that they're just kind of like, nah, okay, like you're going too hard now. Like, you know, you're not friends with her like that, right? But they don't say anything. They just look they just have a look of confusion on their face, right? So anyways, I knew this moment would happen eventually. And at the time, I did catch some flack from, for speaking my, my speak and my opinion on the whole thing. I was not defending Rochelle. I was just saying that the girl does not deserve that. There's a difference. You know, you can still feel bad for a person that has done a very bad thing, right? Um, and I just didn't feel that given, you know, the narrative of this group and their history that she deserved all the smoke that she got. So anyways, guys, I'm going to leave you on that. That's all I have for today. As always, be a fan, not fanatical. Ciao.